a production of WordSouth, a content marketing company. Story Connect, the podcast, helping communicators discover ideas to shape their stories and connect with their customers. What are some of the emerging trends in internet and video? That's what we'll be talking about on this episode of Story Connect, the podcast. I'm your host, Andy Johns, once again with Word South. And I'm joined at this episode once again by Scott Meyer, who's Director of Marketing uh, with Innovative Systems. Scott, thanks for joining me again. Happy to be here. I think after two or three uh, visits on the podcast here, you get to be a friend of the podcast, not just a guest. So uh, we appreciate that. Oh, very good. Uh, but uh, And if you had seen, if any listeners out there had seen our top 10 list for most listened to uh, podcast of 2019, uh, one of the episodes that we recorded with Scott was number 10, and what wasn't on the list is the other one we recorded with Scott was number 11. So strong strong listenership for uh, for the two topics that we recorded on earlier last year, so thanks for that. You're welcome. On this uh, episode, we're going to talk about um, Innovative Systems 2020 video and internet study that they had uh, cr- uh, commissioned Cronin to do. And uh, there are several different topics to get into, so this will be a little different than the uh, the channel talk that we did before. Uh, but Scott has quite a few interesting finds from that study. So, if just the top line takeaway for you, um, this is the fifth year, I believe you've done the study. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What's the what's the main headline, or what stood out and grabbed you as the uh, the either most surprising or or the biggest deal uh, from this study? Um, well, there was a couple of things, Andy. I, I think. Um we fully expected the uh, number of people that have streaming only homes in the video world to go up. Uh, they've been going up incrementally over the last four years. This is year five of the study. Uh, but this year they did go up significantly to about 25% okay. uh, of streaming only homes, which, you know, still, you know, 70, 70% plus rely on traditional video, which fits the rural demographics. But then the other thing that I really kind of stood out for me, and we did have some new things, and I know we'll probably talk about that later, but one of the things that stood out with me was the, the satisfaction uh, for broadband, as far as their customer satisfaction, dropped dramatically oh. over the last few years. And, and I, I think we can maybe connect the dots on a few things there, but I was very surprised how much that dropped as far as how happy they were with their internet. Yeah, that's not a good sign. Let's talk because I think part of what's always interesting uh, to me with the studies that you uh, that you do is it's not everybody. It's not the big cities. It focuses on rural. So before we get too into it, let's talk a little bit about the methodology. How you found uh, you know how you put the information together. Sure. So you know uh, Cronin, uh, Tim Owens, and his team uh, put together a randomly surveyed group around 400 residential customers. And these residential customers all reside in markets that are served by independent communications companies. That's part of the directive we have given to them. We want them to talk to the people that us as innovative systems vendor serve primarily, and that is the rural market. So, sure. uh, and and the the, uh, the phone, it's a phone interview, so it's not an online interview. But when I go through the um, uh, the report also includes demographics on who has responded. And we have a very, very accurate uh, demographic skew here that we're, we're getting through. And I'm going to I'm scrolling here, so you'll have to bear with me. But sure, I think you had said that some of these some of these numbers really just came out last week for you. Is that right? Right. So, I mean, this, right. Yeah. So, but I'm looking at this, and and you know, like 35 percent of the people that were surveyed were over the age of 65. 
but then another probably 60% were between the ages of 26 and 55. So okay. so we really did get down into a wider demographic yeah, right. study this time. And I think we've skewed a little bit more on the older end, but we had a discussion about that after we wrapped up and, and I kind of directed Tim, let's, let's, get, let's try to get a little bit wider base because we really do want this to be a fair representation of what, um, what rural America is all about. Sure. And, and so, so I think that's maybe partly reflecting some of the changes that we've had with our, our results this year. Okay, but the the membership of uh, NTCA, and I should say that we're here recording uh, live at the NTCA, our time a conference in Phoenix, Arizona. But the the people involved in this study are a lot of the NTCA member in customers. I mean, this is this is the right audience for that for sure, and I think that's important to note on mm-hmm. uh, on this. So there are a couple of things you mentioned that we can go ahead and dive into. So um, let's talk about the streaming only households. You talked about that. Um, did that number? Surprise you? I mean, as many headlines as there are about people cutting the cord, I know we have talked before on on mic and off mic that mm-hmm. you know, there's still a very strong linear uh, audience out there. What what did that number tell you this year? Well, you know, the thing of it is, is that um, you know, we when we started, and this is year five, uh, streaming only was like at one percent. Oh, okay. In, you know, five years ago. Uh, then subsequently, it's went up one percent, four percent, six percent, seven percent. But then this year, it went to twenty-five percent, which, you know, you know, that's still not something that when you think about basically the lion's share of the people that are consuming video are still consuming it through a traditional linear sure. play. Yeah. But it does follow with what we believe, and we believed for quite some time that even though those numbers are going to be a lot different in urban America, just for demographic reasons and, sure. and other reasons, that that doesn't necessarily apply to the rural marketplace. So it, it was a surprise to see it go up to 25%, but also um, to some degree not surprising. And, and, and when you look at it as a whole, it's still over 70% are still watching linear video. Right. And anytime you talk about streaming uh, versus linear video, mm-hmm. live sports is always something that, that's talked about. Uh, and there was some uh, some of the information you had said in this study uh, was kind of revealing about habits uh, that folks have when it comes to watching live sports. Yeah. And, and we decided that this year we were going to include that as a first time question. Okay. Percentage of total television viewing of sporting events. And one of the reasons that we did is, you know, it's streaming is live streaming is hard from a technical standpoint. Sure. And there's there's a lot of you know you're moving stuff over the internet an internet uh, connection, and so all of the people that that are in the know know that live streaming definitely and especially on large TVs, which that's where people want to watch their sporting events, sure. can be a bit more of a challenge. But what we've seen uh, with this first time question is that uh, about. Uh, 45% of rural America does spend time consuming live sporting events. So pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as we take, we took that, we drilled that down a little bit further. Out of those who watch live sports, 53% of them watch football. That's, okay. that's their sport of choice, followed by basketball, baseball, and then there's assorted other events sure. as well. But so, so really, when you think about it, um, uh, football really does kind of drive that sporting, sure. you know, uh, viewage. 
And, and we, those numbers are for when you're talking about 45% spend time watching sports, that's for linear or streaming or any any format? Well, we, the way we framed the question, that's a good question. We just said, what is the percentage of total time you spend viewing sporting events? And we did okay. not we did not okay. grain that out. Um, Platform so, neutral. I right, guess. Okay. right. But but really, at the end of the day, you know, it's it's safe to say that half of the rural homes in America watch watch live sporting events, and so I mean that does mean that if they're going to watch live sports in a streaming environment that they need to get the fastest internet from their broadband provider to get a good experience. Absolutely. And, and if they're in a challenged area, as we know a lot of our customers, uh, I'm, I'm talking our customers, service providers, just you know either haven't gotten fiber out there or due to terrain issues can't get fiber to those homes, Right. Uh, they're not going to have the kind of speeds that's going to give them a good experience streaming live sports. Right, because it... When the when the the buffering starts right at that crucial play, that's uh, that's no fun. No, no fun. bad news, man. Um, okay, so that's interesting. Um, but that was uh, let's move on to what sounded like uh, maybe potentially bad news with the customer satisfaction uh, decrease. Uh, and I guess maybe I shouldn't put judgment on it. Maybe there's some other factors that, like you said, but. Um, Let's get into that and talk about it. So it sounds like uh, that this year in particular there was a decrease in the overall satisfaction uh, that folks have with their internet providers? Yes, yes. And that was probably one of the things that stood out to me the most. Sure. So in um, 2019, well, we went from a, 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 you know, when we first started, you know, five years ago, the completely satisfied internet cu- customer was at about 63%. They were like very, very satisfied. Well, that number has stayed pretty stable. And then in 2019, last year, that number basically went up from the mid 60s to 71%. Well, what really threw me off was we're down now to only 48% fully satisfied customers with their internet. So that's a, I mean, that's a, that's a big, big drop. Uh, I think we can kind of draw some conclusions there. I think a couple of the conclusions that we can draw from this, and it, and it does match some of our other data, uh, that the customers are consuming more video over the internet, okay. which is going to affect their experience if they don't have the speed that they need. Right. And then the second thing is the in-home networks, by and large, aren't controlled by the service provider. Right. So a lot of those people are using very low-quality home Wi-Fi routers. Okay. And so that is going to create dissatisfaction. And and the, the problem is it's a consumer perception, Andy, because when the consumer goes and buys a cheap router from Walmart right. and the Internet in their home that comes to their home is a good quality, they're not going to blame that cheap router. They're going to blame the service provider. So I think the combination of the increased amount of people that are streaming video coupled with the lower inferior routers in the home are really causing a dissatisfaction. And I might want to also add to that that the percentage of people that have managed Wi-Fi is still very low. And we, we truly believe that um, our customers, the service providers, you know, and and there's still, you know, the average home in rural America has over six devices connected to the internet. So that coupled with the dissatisfaction should help people to recognize that there's only there's only about 13% of rural Americans that have a managed Wi-Fi service in their home today. That's not that's a very low percentage. Uh, 87% 
do not have managed Wi-Fi. Mm. It reminds me one of the sessions that I had done. I've done this uh, millennial panel um, at a couple of different conferences, and one of the um, one of the person one of the millennials who was up there said that um, you know how satisfied are you with your internet provider? Not very. And then later on, we asked about where did you get your router, and uh, she proudly said that um, she had got. It. She was very proud that she had got the router for nine ninety nine at Marshalls. And uh, this is nothing against Marshalls, uh, but it's not the place I would go to buy a router, Mm -hmm. and uh, particularly in the bargain bin. Um, And so then all of a sudden, a lot of hands went up um, from the uh, audience, which telco folks going, would you ever consider that it's the router's fault, not your internet provider's fault? And it's like a light bulb went out, went on for her. So, mm-hmm. so we're educating one at a time if we have to. But like you said, a lot of folks are just going to associate that with their internet service, not necessarily with the device that they bought. Right. And that really does bring the responsibility back to the service provider to really strive to be better educators. Sure and help them to understand this. And, uh, you know, revenue is a driver and they can drive that revenue by offering a managed Wi-Fi service. And seeing how we are only seeing 13% in rural America that have it, there's a huge market share that they could gain off of that. Sure. And uh, I just think that there's some, there's some missing pieces and it's gonna become more of a problem. And I think that's why our the satisfaction went way down. Yeah, that's such a staggering number. So it was seventy-one percent in the twenty-nine. Seventy-one percent were completely satisfied mm-hmm. um, in the twenty-nineteen study, and that number dropped to forty-three in twenty twenty. That's that's alarming. So. It, it is. It is. And so, so really, in answer to your question, what what stood out to me as the most significant thing, and I think that probably was of the entire study this year, was that that huge drop in uh, satisfaction with the provider. Were there any kind of sub-questions or anything beyond that to give you any other insight um, as if there may be, um, you know, any, anything else outside? I think the router, I think that idea definitely has legs that it's, you know, the in-home network experience. But any, were there any other data points in mm-hmm. the study that, that might point at what that? Uh, yes. That is such a significant drop. Good question, because we did ask a follow-up question. What was your reasons for low rating? Oh, good. And so... Uh, 58% that gave up that low rating uh, cited poor, unreliable service. And again, back to our earlier discussion, right. I mean, we know a lot of our customers have spent millions and millions of dollars bringing state-of-the-art fiber to the customer's home. But once it gets to that home, once it gets inside that home, if they can't manage that for the customer, right. then that experience could be greatly um, degraded. And I think that poor, unreliable service you know that was the that was the number one reason that they gave such low ratings. So uh, I suspect there's a connection there. Well, that's good. That's some good insight that that provides there on what that number uh, might be because I think that's one that's going to surprise a lot of people. Um, one of the other interesting things while we're talking about um, uh, customer service and the way that uh, folks are interacting with their um, their customers was about the trial periods, uh, the folks, you know, jumping up to try the um, the higher speeds. I know that's something that we have worked with clients on before, the speed bump, you know, give the mm-hmm. give folks a, let them try that. The story that I always go back to on that, um, and it'll take a while to get there, but um, the, so the Lincoln Highway um, was going from the East Coast to the West Coast across the whole country. And it was a lot of like the Rockefeller, Carnegie, mm-hmm. um, big money type folks in America that would um, that had started funding it. But there wasn't enough money to go around. 
uh, because the individual states, cities, and counties didn't want to pay their part of making this new paved, this is going to be the first paved road from coast to coast. So what they did when they did the highway was instead of trying to, you know, pave the first few hundred miles that they could, they would go between cities and they would pave with nice new asphalt just two miles or three miles between cities to give people to experience what a nice new road that wasn't rutted out and dusty and all that. And once the people tried out that new asphalt, then they started demanding it that they have it everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I told you it would take a while to get there, but we did. Uh, So (laughs) it comes back to broadband that I really feel like, and it sounds like your data may suggest that too, that um, when you give folks a chance to see what life could be like with a faster Mm -hmm. connection, that they're pretty receptive to it. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, the the number may not seem like a lot, but uh, 16% of those surveyed said they are very interested. I mean, to the point where they would uh, want a trial to see the fastest internet. And it may not seem like a lot, but what um, is more important than that, and we actually have real case studies all over rural America, the companies that have done these speed bump trials, they always get people to keep it. Always. So so really, from a, from a cost and return on investment, for them to give somebody their highest internet for a month to get you know, a percentage of those, let's say they get 10% that keep it. Well, you know, that, that could, that could be the equivalent of, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month in recurring revenue. Sure. And once they get that higher speed, they're not going to go back. Right. So we really think there's a really a golden opportunity for service providers who have not yet uh, taken a step to offer customers a trial of their best internet. And like to your analogy with the highway, it just makes sense. They're not going to see what that experience is until they've actually had a chance to be on it, like the highway, in this case, being on faster internet. I appreciate you following me down that uh, <laughs> down that analogy. So, oh, it's a good one. Um, the last thing I had on my list for us to talk about was you said there was some information about DVRs um, that had showed up on there, and kind of surprising uh, numbers to me. Um, just uh, you know, based on hearing uh, so many folks over and over again with the uh, the cord cutting was this thing mm-hmm. that was a huge deal. But there's some encouraging numbers, I would say, uh, from the DVR front. So in our in our DVR study, which we have actually been doing for five years, um, we've never, ever been above 55% uh, DVR penetration. This year, it jumped uh, all the way up to uh, 64%. Okay. And for us, it's real easy to uh, draw the conclusion there. Uh, as in cl- many, many service providers, including our customers who we provide uh, DVR service, we provide it through the cloud our network DVR. So sure. everything resides at the company's secure location. Mm-hmm. And so it's much easier for the company to deploy this because they don't have to roll a truck out there. They just right. basically, from their office, they turn it on. They're doing creative promotional things, giving people trials of DVR. Sure. And we really believe that that has created a an upward take in, in the DVR service. And, you know, again, time-shifted viewing has always been something that has become very, very important to a customer, sure. uh, especially over the last five years between DVR, Restart TV, VOD, those types of right. things. And, you know, sadly, if our companies would have been involved in more time-shifted viewing earlier, mm. I think that would have had a bigger impact on cord cutting because time-shifted viewing does relate to cord cutting in the respect of with a, with a streaming service, 
you can watch stuff whenever you want to watch it. Right. Well, the the legacy linear providers have been able to offer this for years, and it just never really got deployed. Hmm. And one of the things that we see, and this is a little bit off topic, but one of the most used features in our data reports that we get from our customers is the number of actions when they use the restart TV feature. Number of actions. Yeah, so if, if you hit your remote control to do a restart, we actually have data that will show... Okay. You know, and it's 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 one of the most used features hmm. in a customer's linear video product is Restart TV. Okay. So that just tells us that time shifted viewing is very important mm-hmm. and does keep them on on the traditional product or even a, even in streaming. Like in a streaming world has Restart now as well, but that does give more control to the customer. And I think DVR is part of that as well. So again, to hit those numbers again, it, it, you, it had never DVR use had never topped. 55 right percent but this uh, 2020 um video and internet study it had topped six sixty four percent okay so that's significant. yeah i think it's you know anytime you get 10 10 percent jumps uh, that's quite a bit so really uh so that one did stand out to me also for 2020 definitely well those are some uh some good stats to throw out there it's a good discussion i think i've i've learned a few things it's very insightful as usual was there anything else that stood out or anything else that you want to add uh, before we wrap up here that's uh, a lot of good insight but was there anything else you wanted to add um no i don't think so i i, I think i think technology is changing i think rural america is adapting to technology but as we've been saying for the last few years the rate of adaptation is going to be much much slower than it is in urban america and it's primarily a demographic driven thing but we you know we've always felt that um, you need to as a service provider you really need to do your best to offer the customer products that best fit their lifestyle and don't force your technology on them. Sure. Give them what they want. If they, if they want you know, faster internet, if they want streaming video, if they want traditional video, don't force them out if, if you, unless you have to. Got it. If somebody has listened to this while they are um, driving or wherever and they want to see the numbers in front of them and dig in deeper to this, what, uh, what's the best way for them to, to, dig, uh, to get that information and dig a little deeper? Yes, well, we, we actually do make this report available to any of any uh, service providers uh, for free, so they can either reach out to you, send you an email on your contact to the podcast, or they can email directly to me, Scott M at innofsys.com, and you probably will put that up on the screen. It doesn't matter, but we'll ha- we're happy to provide them with the data. We just really feel we have a lot of skin in the game here in rural America, and and we want people to see that information. Great. And we'll put your email address in the show notes, like you said, so that they can click there. So, well, Scott, it's been another good, uh, good episode. I appreciate the insights as always. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for letting me sit on your couch. He is Scott Meyer. He is the director of marketing with Innovative Systems. He's going over the 2020 video and internet uh, study commissioned by Cronin. I'm your host, Andy Johns. We've got a few more episodes to record here at the epicenter of the rural broadband universe this week at our time in Phoenix. And until we talk again, keep telling your story. You've been listening to Story Connect, the podcast, a production of Word South, a content marketing company.